0: Hello, and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through Season 4, Episode 7. During Season 3, I talked about the ups and downs of policy. Well, this is a little bit like that. This time around, we're going to talk about SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures. I was a worker bee on a project a few years back and I watched a company tie itself in knots with SOPs. They insisted on making them accurate, detailed, and their stated goal was to improve the quality of the products and services that went out the door. The problem was that they made their SOPs so specific, so ironclad, that once the standards were completed and in place, well, the leadership soon realized they couldn't possibly improve a process even if they wanted to. Why? Why? Because their SOPs were so do this, then this, then this, that any innovation wound up being a violation to the agreed upon process. You know, I was also a worker bee when the company decided to scrap the whole system and start over, create processes that allowed enough leeway that they could actually continue to innovate. See, in my experience, standard operating procedures can either work for you or against you. And like the company that I mentioned, even your most detailed and well-thought-out procedures can become, well, almost oppressive. So when you think about standard operating procedures, there are a few things that you want out of the process. First, they have to be doable. This may sound like a, well, duh, point, but it's really easy to set up procedures that look good and make perfect sense on paper but do not work in practice. You know this about me. I love theory as much as the next guy. Well, I suppose it depends on who the next guy is. But anyway, I love theory. But I sort of grew up in the business world. So actionable practice trumps theory every time. If you can't execute on a proposed operating procedure, scrap it. No, seriously, scrap it. A good procedure needs to work in real life. Yes, it needs to be informed by good theory, but theory has to step inside in, in favor of functionality. Doable procedures are a big deal. You might have that one colleague who can do just about anything. You know the one, leaps stall buildings in a single bound, you know, that kind of thing. Well, you can't write procedures that are out of reach of your average employee. If your procedures are only doable by a high-performing employee, you are in deep trouble. See, this opens up a significant area of vulnerability, specifically related to business sustainability. Peter Drucker made the point that your business or your organization has to fit ordinary people. You can't hire all-star performers. Any business that thinks they can is simply kidding themselves. It doesn't matter what your business or your organization does. If you can't define your operating procedures for regular people, well, you'll run into trouble. I'm not saying that procedures can't be complex or require some kind of specific training. Often, they need that. But Einstein doesn't work for you. And even if he does, most of the work has to get done by the non-Einsteins. That's the core concept behind doable SOPs. Face the reality that you and the people around you are generally pretty ordinary. Now, if you hear that as demeaning, stop it. Most of the real work that happens in society comes from people who are committed and ambitious, and that has nothing to do with education, smarts, or even general awesomeness. Now next, a standard operating procedure has to be repeatable okay at the risk of repeating myself just because one star colleague can do a procedure that does not mean that the procedure is repeatable repeatability takes into consideration a few factors the stability of the technology the consistency of the environment and the capability of the operator in my R&D days I worked on a project with fiber optics the team that I was with was working on doping the glass Don't panic. In this instance, doping means adding certain compounds to the glass, and that dopant would give the optical fiber certain unique characteristics. For instance, counterintuitively, you can add some things to pure glass that will make it clearer. The technology was, then, so new that uh, there were wildly successful glass fibers that we could make, but we could not make them consistently. We tried everything, managing the temperature of the fiber spinner, managing the humidity in the facility, pretty much anything that could have an impact. And still, the technology was so new, so inconsistent, that our processes were stubbornly non-repeatable, no matter how talented the operators were. Some of the real genius in the innovation business is not necessarily in the technical breakthrough. I've been involved in enough projects that the breakthrough was the easy part. The hard part is engineering a consistent manufacturing process. Moving anything from great idea to marketable product requires an unfathomable amount of work and that work involves ensuring repeatability. As a leader you have to design processes that do not require a team of Einstein's and that do not require constant fiddling with the gizmos to get results. Let me give you a for instance. Have you ever sat in a car or test-driven a vehicle and the placement of the controls makes, well, no sense? Did you ever find yourself wondering if the designers even had a driver's license? See, I've seen the same thing in product development. Decisions get made, things that look really good on paper, but they don't fit the real world. That seems to be the evidence that people who design things are not necessarily those who use them. See, this is an important factor in repeatability, usable and repeatable by real people in real-life circumstances, and not necessarily in a controlled laboratory condition, unless controlled laboratory conditions happen to be the actual context you work in. Well, that brings us to the next piece. SOPs have to be predictable. If you're creating operating procedures, you want to know that the results are consistent. In a lot of instances, SOPs are the foundation for quality control metrics. It's one thing for a process to be repeatable, but if you get the results you're looking for only half the time, well, you have a problem with predictability. That usually indicates a problem upstream, and that upstream could be anywhere. It could be training, environment, worker attitudes, and a whole lot of things that might not come to mind immediately. I know of one company that had fine SOPs, doable and repeatable, and they felt like they were doing everything but right, but still, they developed some serious quality problems at the end. Some of their long-term customers were starting to express serious concern, and this business looked through everything. They looked at new employees, how the employees got trained, who trained them, were the SOPs actually being followed. They were diligent, and they really did. They looked at everything. Eventually, they figured out that the quality problems were not due to the SLPs, but with one inconsistent supplier. It took a while to resolve that problem, but their customers stuck with them, and they made it through the crisis. For them, through no fault of their own, their processes stopped being predictable, and it took a lot of effort to get them back where they needed to be. Now, I hope you're tracking with me on this. There are good reasons that standard operating procedures need to be doable, repeatable, and predictable. But there's another aspect, and this will provide sort of a segue to the next episode. a cliffhanger. SOPs also provide a connecting point to the mission and vision of your organization. An SOP really does provide the nuts and bolts answer to the question of what we do If you're in an established organization, look at all of the SOPs that you can find. They provide an important perspective, really, on what you do. Not wishes and sunshine and flowers, but really, what do you do? SOPs also answer another key question. Not just what do we do, but how do we do it? Again, real life. See, this is the place where strategies get turned into action. If the what we do and the how we do it don't line up with the core mission, vision, values, and contribution of the organization, well, that's kind of a problem that needs to be addressed. Now, I'm going to make an argument here that every SOP needs one more thing. What we do, how we do it, and why it matters. See, I've seen this last one neglected many times. Here's the thing, the why it matters question is where meaning in work plays lost and found. It connects day-to-day actions of every single person in the organization with the customers and the core values of the organization. See, this is me talking, so this is just an opinion. You can disagree with me, and that's fine. But I think the why it matters piece needs to be the first thing we address. It doesn't matter if you build fantastic SOPs that are doable, repeatable, and predictable. If bottom line, it doesn't matter. Hold these ideas in your head until next time. Because next time around, we'll move from the organizational level to the personal level, and the SOPs that define your life. I think this might be fun, and maybe even a little eye-opening. So once more, I encourage you, if you're enjoying Great Ridge Station, tell your friends and colleagues. They need to hear these words from you. Subscribe to Great Ridge Station. If you have ideas or questions that you'd like me to address, please steer them my way on Twitter, hashtag GRSQuestions. You'll also find me there, too, at LJHelgerson. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Mantovani, Skyscraper Fantasy. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye. Oh, one more thing, if you'll allow me a moment of groveling. For the first time ever, I actually missed a week with this podcast. It was due to an unbelievably busy work schedule and just a lot of student concerns that I really needed to deal with. So my apologies. I'd like to say it won't happen again, but, you know, not bad to miss one after four seasons. So thanks for your patience and welcome back.